Welcome to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast, the premier provider of leadership consulting, culture shaping, and senior level executive search services. Every day, we're privileged to talk with fascinating people who are shaping the future through their leadership and vision. Each episode, you'll hear a different perspective from thought leaders and innovators. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hi, I'm Jessica Gentili, a partner in Hydrogen Struggles Global Technology and Services Practice. In today's podcast, I'm pleased to have Mark Zients with us. Mark is executive chairman and board member of Precision Nutrition, a unique online fitness and health platform with the aim of transforming how people look, feel, and perform through education, technology, and expert coaching. Mark is a steeped technology executive and avid cyclist and outdoorsman, entrepreneur at heart, and has been leading businesses since 1987. He has held CEO roles in several companies, including Automated Insights, Ascent, and Dialogic. He serves as a board member at Tioco and Friends of the Earth US, where he is the treasurer and head of the finance committee. Mark, welcome. We appreciate having you, and it's great to speak with you again. Thank you, Jessica, and I'm delighted to be here today. Now, Mark, Precision Nutrition is a totally unique business model, 100% native virtual approach. I think what would be really interesting is if you could please take a couple minutes and explain the structure and philosophy to our listeners. Precision Nutrition is over 15 years old. And from the day we were founded, we have operated as a fully remote and virtual company. Now, let me just be very clear. That means we actually do not have a physical office anywhere, uh, and we never have. So when we came upon the situation that we're all living under now, this is something that we've trained for and we've been prepared for, for our entire business lives. Now, of course, there's many things that are different today. But in terms of our philosophy, it's always been about how do you run a company and attract the best talent, retain the best talent, and help your team live by what you teach and what you believe in, in terms of core values. And for us, it's always been about people having enough time to take care of themselves, their family, or get the sleep and spend more time doing those things and having time to focus on work rather than think about having to commute into an office. So it's really been kind of at the core of of who we are as an organization uh, and a core part of the philosophy we have and how people should live their lives. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, maybe those key learnings and what some of the challenges for you have been thus far? And anything we could apply to you know, what we're currently facing? First of all, I admire what so many businesses have had to do by necessity, and that is literally flip a switch and overnight have no choice but to figure out how to adapt to remote work. And that is so hard just to do. We've had time to work on this. And for us, you know, what's made it work very well is first and foremost, we are very much a mission-based organization. We help people live a healthier and happier life. And so our, our team really defines success as being able to help more and more people on a continual basis. 
So they could work anywhere. They're talented people. They choose to work at Precision Nutrition. So to the extent that you have a strong mission and that your team connects with the mission, I think it really helps facilitate uh, the dedication and the loyalty that makes remote work uh, a bit more feasible. Um, the, the second thing is, is that uh, we have developed process and procedures around being remote. PN is one of these unique organizations that operates under the rules of holacracy. Uh, I like to describe it as it's like agile for the entire company, very much rooted in self-management. Now, I think this works well when you combine it with a mission-based company, but it also works well in our case because we have more of a mature work And what I mean by that is we don't really hire entry-level team members. Our people are more intermediate and advanced stages of their career. So we're not training on on, uh, entry-level skills. We're not having to listen in on calls or or review code, sit with people. So it, it also makes things work a bit better. So I think it's a combination of having a mature team you know, having a mission-based organization uh, that people are connected to and having an operating system that really works well. And if you put those things all together, I think you, you, you build a culture around that. And so I think our people are very um, intentional and very aware of how they interact. So it's rare that we're ever on a phone call. It's almost always video because that eye contact still matters. We never start a meeting by jumping into a meeting. All of our meetings begin with what we call a check-in round where everybody goes around and there's a facilitator and they just talk about you know how they're doing and uh, and if they're ready for the meeting. Not unlike if imagine walking into a meeting room and everybody's walking in and they're doing that chit-chat, that socialization. We start all meetings and then we go into the meeting. We also end all meetings with what we call a checkout round where everybody gets to say kind of how they feel at the end of the meeting. Did they get something out of this? Was this a waste of time? Right. You know, they feel better, they feel worse. Again, connecting on those human levels and being intentional, I think is really important. Now, what has changed for us is we do periodically get together. Once a year, the entire company gets together, mostly about building on relationships and socialization. So we, we've had some interruption to how we work but the fact that we work remotely routinely makes getting through this period much easier. Can you tell us what you think works and what maybe has been a little bit more difficult in a remote setting, especially given your experience as a multiple time CEO in traditional environments? I've run organizations that have been 100% brick and mortar in person. Mm. I've run businesses that have been a mixture of remote teams and on-site teams. This is my first time running a company that's 100% virtual. And what I've concluded is being all together, it's great if you can do it. I mean, the human interaction, the camaraderie, it's just a great thing. It, it rarely happens because you, you know, it, unless you're running a really small company, because you always end up multi-site. So people are still distant and not always coming in for a meeting. So my conclusion is working where some people are in different locations or half your team is physical and half your team is remote. Um, I think that's really, really hard. I think that's the hardest thing of all. 
Because to me, running an organization that's 100% virtual is very similar to running a business where everybody's together in the room because you're all in the same boat. You don't overlook things. I can't tell you, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Jessica, how many times you've been in a meeting and somebody, normally it would be an in-person meeting and a few people aren't there. And you may forget to even dial in in the conference room or you forget that they're on the phone and you're not incorporating their input into you know important points of a meeting. So it forces you mm-hmm. um, to interact uh, in, in ways that you might not if you had a you know kind of a mixed team. So that's one thing that I have certainly learned. The other thing is that we recruit uh, specifically around people who are interested and are capable of working remotely. And the way we assess this is uh, through testing. So in addition to structured interviews, uh, we do a pretty extensive testing for fit for role and for profile and to really tease out if people are up for working remotely. And the reason this is so important is it aspirationally sounds pretty great. And I'm sure a lot of people right now are sitting at home working when they've normally worked in an office saying, I can't wait to get back to an office. It may be tough having pets around, kids around, uh, you know, delivery people, interruptions. It sounded great until you had to do it. So we try to make sure that people really are up for that. And part of that is making sure that, you know, are they, have they thought it through? Have they worked this way before? Do they get socialization in, in, in person um, elsewhere in a normal world so that they're not missing out from those work relationships? So for us, it's the, the, the testing and, and the hiring has a lot to do with how we've built a team. Now, if the organization has no choice but to flip a switch and be remote, you have who you have, and mm-hmm. that's never necessarily been a consideration. But I think you know the world won't be the same afterwards. I think people are going to reevaluate this. A lot of people are going to say, I never would have dreamt of working remotely. And you know what? It's not so bad. And maybe they go back to a, a world where half their people do work remotely because, frankly, they want to have social distancing in their office. They, they don't want that density that they had before in the office. And maybe they're going to decrease the density, keep the same space, but have half the people work remotely or people work every other work week or a few days a week remotely. I think work's going to change and this is going to become more important. People are going to have to set up processes, testing, methods of engagement that incorporate people that are both in an office and remote. And and so I just see this as accelerating the trend towards remote work in a, in a pretty major way, even when we come out of this. In addition to some of that thinking and, and some of the rigorous assessment that you do, what skills or characteristics do you think are really necessary for people to thrive in a 100% remote organization? I think it's it's different for every personality type, but I think you have to have somebody that feels good about themselves, that they're confident in their abilities, that they feel uh, comfortable working in this manner, that they can build relationships, maintain relationships with their colleagues, that they can build trust with their colleagues, and that they are getting what they need 
from a in-person socialization from other sources, be it family, uh, friends. I think that's really vital. So it's they've got to have that balance that they would be missing from the fact that most of your day you're going to be engaged with the screen. And even though you build these relationships with your colleagues, I mean, in some way they're they're this video avatar to you. So I do think you have to carve out time for people to get together face to face. As I mentioned, we have an annual get together. We call it the gathering. Uh, we allow a week, uh, five days, uh, Monday to travel in, Friday to travel out, a three-day meeting of which there's probably anywhere around one and a half to two hours of content a day. And the rest of the time is reserved for people spending time with each other and, and appreciating each other, having gratitude for each other, and spending time with people that they may only see once a year in person. And furthermore, when our teams are working on more strategic efforts, planning, other activities, you'll have teams get together throughout the year. So I think you still need to make space for that. You still got to allow those times for people to get together. You've got to make sure your people, when they are signing up, that they not only feel good about working in this manner, but they've been thoughtful about that they're going to get enough socialization from wherever else they need it. You know, for, for us, even though we're remote, we recognize that uh, people's lives have changed and they're not getting that some of that socialization because they can't. They're, they're, they're sheltered in place. Right. So we've tried to allow for more space at the company. So we've created additional channels on Slack, you know, family resources, parental resources, you know, just content where people can share as they're trying to educate and entertain, be it young children, teenage children, uh, elder parents. That's really a nice thing. We didn't have that before. It was never a need. And now there's a real need. Uh, we also have created uh, permanent rooms uh, in video uh, for people that are just left open at all times where if somebody just wants to go hang out and chit chat, uh, you know, have you know, if it's a coffee break during the day, if it's wine after work, whatever. Um, the only rules are you're not allowed to talk about business. That's it. So we're, we've cre- right, we've created like extra places. I've heard a lot of companies doing this. You know, uh, you know, happy hour, whatever you want to call it. But it's important right now because people are missing a, a part of their life, and and you have to be aware of that. And and even for us. We were ready for working this way. This is how we work. But there's a big difference. Suddenly people have kids around. Suddenly people have a partner around who may have worked in an office. And suddenly they're there. So even though you knew how to work remotely and it worked incredibly well for you, uh, your world may have been turned upside down in terms of how you work. So we've also tried to be very sensitive and uh, accommodating to the fact that people are having challenges. So it may not just be uh, the kids who can't wait to get back to school. It's, it's the parents that can't wait for them to go back because they're not used to having their day taken up with incredible juggling requirements. Are there other tips you can provide to those leaders in that transition as they think about how they might screen or how they might prepare uh, either new hires or existing hires for this kind of a shift? You need to have processes and procedures for how you run a meeting to be more inclusive. Go video whenever you can. Um, 
and then consider the equity of the on-prem, off-prem workers. And I think people need to be really uh, aware of the health and wellness of their employees. I mean, I just think we're going through something phenomenal here where I saw a study, it was dated eight years old, and I can't imagine what it's like now, but it said that 22% of adults, 13 and older, suffer from some form of anxiety. And this was a, you know American Psychiatry Institute. It was in 2012. Well, first of all, even before this broke out, my guess is that number has increased a lot. With this, if you, if you had any anxiety disorder, it's been magnified. If you didn't, you might have it now. So we can't underestimate the need to make sure your team's okay, that they're giving themselves the space, the self-care they need to feel better. So are they getting the sleep? Are they managing the stress? Do they have the movement? Are they taking care of them, their, whatever their nutritional requirements are, their family, their social? You know, these things are important because we can be cold-hearted about business and say, I want productivity. I need results more now than ever to come out of this thing. But if you don't have a team, it's not going to get you there. Our view is this is a golden opportunity to show what you're really made of as a company. How you take care of your people, how you take care of your clients is going to determine that over the next three to five years, who really comes out on top and who doesn't. And I think that a large part of that's going to be about how you treat your team and how you treat your clients. What recommendations do you have uh, for the leaders listening to help uh, employees find the right balance? Any additional to those that you've already shared with us? One of the things I've been doing is just making the rounds and just setting up uh, one-on-ones or just spontaneously reaching out to people on video at my company and just talking about how they're doing. You know, what's their situation like? Do they have the support they need? Are they taking the time for themselves? Have they thought about how they have to do things differently? So just, again, talking about nothing about deliverables or the work, but about them. And, and if I think if that's authentically a concern you have, it will be appreciated. I think there's people in these situations that they, there, there's some, some people will respond by rising up and they'll be really engaged in taking care of themselves. Then there's, the, there's people that just go the other direction. Real uh, divides are showing up. And you have to think about that in your workforce between perhaps people that are entry level um, or, or less skilled and higher skilled people where they may be experiencing things very differently. You know, we're not all, we're not robots, we're humans. And if your team's not taking care of themselves, they're not going to be very helpful to you for very long. Um, and so I just think being super aware of this and making time to reach out, have those conversations directly, having your managers do the same, and then having ways of providing solutions to help people. It's going to be really important there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, any other advice that you have or or tips you would like to share with other leaders listening today as they think about how to continue moving forward in this environment? So I would just encourage everybody to think about these, uh, how they can work remotely when they have to, uh, or if they choose to for some or, or all of their workers over time. Because I think that this is a, 
something that we we're, we're not going to be over with overnight, and it may be back again. So how how do you have a process where if you do need to hit the uh, circuit breaker and go remote that you can, whether it's your office is closed for some natural disaster or or there's another health issue. I also have to think, you have to think right now that even if you said everything's good, let's all get back to work. Mm-hmm. If, if you if you're, you have now trained people on a new habit, and it takes, I think there's you know, books about this, like 21 days to a new habit. Some people talk about four weeks, but there's been enough time that we've trained people to, to work differently and have a kind of different life. Yeah. How many people are going to look, look at you and say, I don't want to come back to the office? What are you going to do? Are you going to say, okay? Or what if they were just, I'm not comfortable coming to the office today or this month. I want to see how this thing plays out a bit more. I, I, take, uh, I take public transportation. I don't want to get on a bus. I don't want to get on a subway. I'm not comfortable going into the office. I'm not comfortable that there's good screening. So even if, quote, business is open and your state has lifted restrictions, what is your policy? Beyond your policy, how are you going to accommodate exceptions? Uh, we have it much easier for us, you know, when right. when partners go back to work or kids go back to school, life goes back to normal. Zoom becomes a little less crowded from all the newcomers, so mm-hmm. our lives only get better. But for businesses that went this way, I I think that they have really big things to think about here. That what their policies and actions are to take care of their team but be able to get back to work. Mark, I want to thank you so much. Uh, I know I, for one, have enjoyed learning more about precision nutrition, your approach, the tips and advice that you've shared have been uh, invaluable. Thanks for listening to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.